0: Okay, today's bulletin uh, has an article and uh, the article is Where Thoughts and Ideas Come From. Where Thoughts and Ideas Come From. Um, I, I want to encourage you to read that if you have not read it yet because it has to do with what we're talking about this morning in class. and. Um, It's a part of learning how to discern. If you don't know where ideas came from, you're in trouble. You you need to find the the origin (laughs) of this idea. Somebody tells you something, somebody asserts something, somebody says something and and believes it, has great conviction about it, you better find out the origin of what they're saying. your thoughts come from somewhere. And uh, the way the brain works is you're influenced by all kinds of stimuli as you're growing up, and your brain is trying to do something with it. But if you have not learned discernment uh, early on, uh, this is why Solomon uh, wrote Proverbs uh, for his son, Uh, Young people need help with this. Uh, Adults need help with this. There are a lot of adults walking around, they have no earthly idea, they're talking about somebody's talking points, and they don't know where that came from. Well, today you're going to find out where some of this came from. And so I'm going to go through some of these slides pretty fast. You're going to have to write some things down. At some point, uh, I may be able to do this in a PDF. Uh, and make it available, but um, these are just quotes and I'll show you the sources of the quotes. This is the other thing, you know, on the, the way the internet works today. <coughs> not very good about uh, uh, going back to the original sources on things. So you can read, you know, look at 42 different versions of a quote by somebody famous. You know, what did he actually say? So you have to go back and you're reading his autobiography on page 86, oh, he did not say that. You you actually have to go back and you have to look at some stuff. Um, And sometimes you even have to read footnotes. Okay. We're going to try to get through this. We'll see how we do. Uh, I was calling this, uh, that moved around I guess in the transition, Um, the God-haters, may sound strong, but you'll get the idea once we start reading their quotes. Five key people along with uh, hundreds of other people during the same time frame. Uh, We're going to go back to the 1800s, which is kind of like the first 1960s. All the people in the 1960s were reading people out of the 1800s, what can I say? (coughs) Uh, And uh, so we're gonna look at uh, the effects of uh, some of what uh, these uh, folks uh, talked about, but also why they talked about it. This is the other thing about discernment, you have to get to know the person. You have to know the person. Don't be just quoting somebody and thinking, oh, in the culture he's very popular, And then you find out some stuff about him growing up and what his real orientation was. You you need to know the person. This is why we started off talking about learning to discern has to do with the character of God, knowing the character of God. If you don't know the character of God, you'll be fooled every three minutes. Every one minute. (laughs) You have got to know the character of God. You've got to know the character of the people who are asserting certain ideas. And you have to stand next to what God is saying, and you have to figure it out. You have to get clarity. You can't just let them all mush together. Um, So um, Darwin, Marx, uh, we say Nietzsche, Freud, and uh, I added uh, one a little bit later, uh, Margaret Sanger, and you'll see why. We only get to touch on these things, but as I mentioned before, When you look at the internet, sometimes people, they've actually written things special in the last uh, 10 years, uh, 20 years. They've rewritten things in a special way to make certain people sound a little nicer than they were, okay? That's all I'll say. Um, Here is what God says in Romans 1, and we we read this last time. And uh, yeah, and actually Alan uh, prompted us to read through the very end there. Um, They thought it foolish to acknowledge God because they thought it foolish to acknowledge God. Now, one of the things that these folks have in common is they knew something about God when they were little. All these people knew something about God when they were little. Uh, they, they, they knew something. And in a couple of cases, they had uh, pastors or ministers in their family. They, they knew something. They thought it foolish to acknowledge God. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. This is what happens. Don't think that somebody can... Stay a nice person when they end up, you know, disavowing the God who put them here. Okay, that, that's total deception. Anybody here actually think that somebody can be a nice human being when they're actively disavowing the one who put them here? Okay, you're, you're just fooling yourself. That's just totally deception. There's no, no other word for it. Um, this is the Word of God things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God. Now this is Romans one. This is the beginning of a letter that the Apostle Paul writes to a bunch of Christians in Rome in the first century. First century long before the 1800s, long before 1960. They invent new ways of sinning. Huh, that sounds kind of like today. They invent new ways of sinning. They make stuff up. They disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises. These are other things that go along with it. Don't be hanging around with people who are constantly, constantly breaking their promises. Are heartless and have no mercy these people have no mercy they may act like they do but they don't they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die yet they do them anyway worse yet they encourage others to do them too so number one they know about God they don't care they don't care number two you see in here, they know that they're accountable, but they don't want to be. They do everything possible to get rid of the accountability thing. And, and we actually see that in some quotes, of, especially friends of Charles Darwin. Um, okay, got to keep going. <coughs> Here's what God says God says, Do not deceive yourselves. The wisdom of this world is foolishness. The quotes I'm going to be reading to you are actually the wisdom of this world. Okay, get ready, because this is educational stuff. This is high-level educational stuff you're going to be reading. The wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, 1 Corinthians 3. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Those who choose not to acknowledge the God who put them here, what happens? Satan comes in and blinds their minds. They cannot begin to see things for the way they are. I don't care what position they have at some university. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. We go immediately to the character of God. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the character of God. And he's speaking every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He is revealing personally the character of God. So when you hear what he says, he is the truth. He's speaking the truth, he is the truth, he is God. He's showing you the character of God and then he's speaking to you and he's saying, put these words into practice because this is what the God who made you intended. This is the design, this is what is true, this is what works. Um, The foolish believes, uh, the fool believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. Uh, Some people, you know, they hear something on TV and they get all riled up and they go, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Next thing you know, you know, it's, they find out it's not true. You, you can't just believe anything. You have got to be very prudent in what you accept, and you have to have a basis for what you accept in your mind as true. Okay, okay, so everything did kind of move around when it got transferred, but, so Charles Darwin, 1809 to 1882, uh, we know him in connection with uh, Darwinism and, and evolution theory. But um, his life is interesting. Um, He says, I gradually came to disbelieve Christianity as divine revelation. The disbelief crept over me at a very slow rate, but it was at last complete. This is from his autobiography. This is uh, on page 86 of his autobiography. This is the way it happens. Charles Darwin is telling you how it can happen with you. But I've read stuff on the Internet that says, well, Charles Darwin, he, he went to church. He, <coughs> you know, he had people in his family, yeah, religious, and, you know, he, he knew some things and blah, blah, blah. A- and he didn't have a problem with Christianity. Well, okay, interesting. Um, this is Charles Darwin. This is what he is saying. He says, I can indeed hardly see how anyone ought to wish Christianity to be true. Now does that sound like a ringing endorsement to you? Of what Jesus Christ, God in the flesh came to share? No, no. Charles Darwin in that same autobiography says, the Gospels cannot be proved and he talks about differences. Oh, there's this difference, and that difference between that, that writing and that. He, he didn't study very much. He, he didn't know how to study. He didn't know how to research. Uh, not too good. Of course, he didn't do that well in Scotland at the beginning of his studies. He, they tried to send him to Scotland, where his grandpa became, you know, doctor. But it didn't, it didn't take. He had to end up going somewhere else and he ended up getting under the influence of some other folks. Um, one of the other things uh, he says is, we must not overlook, now think about this for a second. This, this actually sounds this sounds like something that uh, Adolf Hitler might have read. You know Adolf Hitler read Charles Darwin, right? You know that, right? Proven fact, Charles Darwin influenced Adolf Hitler. We must not overlook the probability of the constant inculcation in a belief in God on the minds of children producing so strong and perhaps inherited effect on their brains, not yet fully developed, how sad, that it would be as difficult for them to throw off their belief in God as for a monkey to throw off It's instinctive fear and hatred of a snake. Now think about that for a second. That is the most upside down, sideways, backward uh, thinking I've ever heard of. Because the status quo is what Darwin and these other folks were fighting against. The status quo had to do with God being who he is and Jesus Christ being the son of God they didn't like the status quo. And so in order to change the status quo, he's actually talking about kids, little kids, learning about the God who made them as if it is an awful thing, like, you know, and a very kind of animal level thing of a monkey hating a snake Hating a snake, having instinctive, it's just, the whole thing is just odd. It's very, very odd. But it shows a certain negative mindset toward uh, Christianity, toward the gospel, toward God. Uh, His autobiography is filled with this stuff, by the way. Um, There is so much suffering in the world. You know how people say this all the time? You might have said this. Oh, there's so much suffering in the world. How can there be a good God? Yes, who said that before you? Charles Darwin. You know, people weren't saying that all over the place. It was Charles Darwin. It was Arthur Schopenhauer who influenced Charles Darwin who were saying this kind of thing. Heckle, another person who influenced Darwin, saying this kind of thing. He was the first one to say this. How can this be? You'd be surprised at all the other things he's saying about God. And this is where it came from. He was, he was influenced. They were, they were in the same time period. The truth is that this world could not have been the work of an all-living, be, all-loving being. I, I changed that once, all-loving being, but rather that of a devil who had brought creatures into existence in order to delight in their sufferings. Now that's about as opposite from the character of God as you can get. But Schopenhauer not only influenced Darwin, he influenced Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche, he influenced a lot of people. Yeah. You just missed it. Yeah, I, I was just talking about you when you were out. We started with Romans 1, and that last part that you had me read last time, we, we actually were, were talking about that. Um, this, is, this is what you hear today. You know, there, there are people running around today saying all this exact same stuff. Where'd it come from? Yeah, it came through education system, through universities, through, through media, through books, through all kinds of stuff. But you know, Ephesians 6 says, okay, this, this, is, a, this is a war. It's a spiritual war. And Satan is, is messing big time. He is working overtime to mess you up, to mess the world up. And so, he has people who are well regarded in different time periods saying things that are 100% false, 100% false. Not even a little bit true. Not even a little bit true. One of the things that really made Charles Darwin mad, and, and actually, in his autobiography, in his autobiography, When it was published, his family was very skittish about what was in it, but the the one who edited the autobiography got to see all of the handwritten notes, everything that went into the autobiography. And the family had pulled out, in particular, one set of notes in his journaling that talked about the damnable doctrine of Christianity that he thought was the most dangerous ludicrous thing he'd ever heard of and it was judgment. That's what he called it. He called it that term and he totally wrote off Christianity in his own living because it was ridiculous that human beings would be fully accountable to a living God. Ridiculous. He had very negative feelings about it. And he actually said, all of my family now, okay, I, got, I, got a, I think there's one more, i Yeah, okay, this, he says this later on in his life. Nothing is more remarkable than the spread of skepticism during the latter half of my life. Huh, interesting. You know what that means? That means Charles Darwin helped skepticism grow, even within his own lifetime. His thinking, his writing, his premise, his assumptions for evolution theory, to get rid of God, to get rid of God, yeah? This quote was he chariot, hmm? was he cheering it? this quote, that's how I read it, that he was pleased by that? I, I actually can't, I can't tell from the text, um, but he, he uses the word remarkable, okay, I can think of a lot of things that are remarkable, and the world becoming more skeptical because of you is not exactly my thought of remarkable, but he's remarking it, <laughs> and he may be pleased by it, yeah. Um, he and uh, hundreds of other people who, who were really propping him up. He had hundreds of backers who wanted to get rid of God at this juncture in time. They, he, he was not alone. People were riding all over the place, all directions. But Darwin's premise gave them license to begin thinking about human beings as an animal that did not come from a loving God. Okay. Uh, There's a bunch of other stuff, but you you get the idea. Uh, Darwin's (laughs) schoolmaster, Samuel Butler, uh, put it this way. He said, Darwin, uh, he wrote this in in a public writing, he said, Darwin had banished mind from the universe. Darwin's premise actually made it so it was all genetics of animals And there was no mind, no planning, no no thought process, no big picture. Human beings were actually social animals. Now, you've heard this. Uh, When I went to college, uh, I took psychology courses in the beginning, and one of my professors made us read a book called The Social Animal. And I had to talk with him a little bit. He he didn't say anything wrong with it. Uh, this is part of Darwin's effect. If you actually are sitting there and thinking, oh, human beings are animals with a couple of differences, you're in trouble because that's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. You better go back and read it. Only human beings were made in the image of God. Only. Only. You hear what I'm saying? Charles Darwin... His premise undermines who God is and his whole plan. And, and I'm telling you, the people who were bright, who wanted God out of the way, they jumped on this bandwagon big time. His cousin, uh, Galton, uh, <laughs> well, he, said, he, wrote, he wrote to Charles Darwin and said, Hey, I'll be your bulldog. He said, You're a little too nice. I want to be your bulldog. We, we need to take this thing all the way to the end. I'll fight all these people off for you. Anyway, you get this, you get the idea. He banished mind. This is Darwin's schoolmaster. The thought process of God. So, a few other things. Now, I can only expose you to these things. How late is it? Man, oh man, I gotta talk a lot faster. (coughs) Because there are hundreds of quotes that would give you insight into these people. Next time I'll tell you a little bit about their childhoods. This will tell you something. They they, they all have some things in common in their childhoods, okay? Um, And some rebellion toward their parents. You know that, you read that thing about disobeying your parents? There was a little bit of an obedience thing and some other issues going on with each one of these human beings as they grew up. Karl Marx uh, said, force is the midwife of progress. Now, isn't that beautiful? How can you think up such beautiful ways of saying violence all around? It's the most backward thought I've ever seen. You want to make process, you don't make progress? Make progress through violence. <laughs> no nothing good's gonna happen unless you get violent. These things mean something. Force is the midwife of progress. You want progress to happen? You're going to have to force some things to happen. Guess what happens when things are forced? It's called tyranny. Somebody forces stuff on you outright? You don't have the freedom to choose? It's called tyranny. Karl Marx, his ideas, he's talking about force in order to make progress, okay? things, Take this in, yep, take it in. History does nothing. It does not possess, there was an S there, it went away. It does not possess immense riches. This is Karl Marx's framework of his mind. The history is of no use. History has nothing rich in it. Forget about history, and I'm telling you, all Marxist thought, all Marxist uh, operational, philosophy made operational, involves this. You must forget history. You cannot remember history and actually follow the teachings of Karl Marx. You can't, that's why he says this. You cannot pay attention to history and actually become a full-fledged socialist or communist. All you have to do is read history, to know that it has not worked. What he's saying right here is totally incorrect. History is filled with treasure, and the Word of God proves it. Every word of God, in the Old Testament proves <laughs> yeah, it was crazy times back then, too, but it, there's something rich in history that informs you and I, that gives us insight so that we don't have to be animals just reacting to everything that comes our way in a forceful way or a violent way or in some animalistic way. As you all know, uh, he says it, but he says some other things related to this we'll talk about next time. Religion is the opiate of the people. He didn't even want to talk about Christianity. Uh, his background was, really, he was a secular Jew, really. His dad converted to Christianity in order to not be persecuted as a Jew. Uh, but he just, he just thought, okay, this is, this is just a way of placating people. Any religion, I don't care what it is, any religion is a way of placating people. This is the way he thought. And during the same time period, you have Ziggy, uh, as his mom called him, my golden Ziggy. (laughs) Uh, He was the first among children, and he was a little spoiled by his mom. Uh, He says about religion, uh, during the same time period, religion is an illusion. Now, I have this book, by the way, if you want to see the... The Future of an Illusion. I have a first edition copy in German. Yeah, it's crazy, the whole thing's just crazy. Religion is an illusion and it derives its strength from the fact that it falls in with our instinctual desires. What are you saying, Sigmund? He doesn't like it, but he's actually acknowledging that one of the reasons why religion exists is because there's something inside of human beings, different desires, different things beyond that only religion deals with in any way. So he's acknowledging it in one way, but he hates it in another way. Very interesting, Uh, Ziggy. You and Carl need to get together for coffee. Sigmund Freud says, love is a state of temporary psychosis. You people trying to love all the time, you're psychotic. You are psychotic. What's wrong with you? Now what happens when you say people who are loving are psychotic? You just, you just flipped good to evil. Now this is part of the thing with these guys' writings. But Satan is behind it. They're not just making all this up. They're all going along together, they're influenced by it. You know, I was, I was educated, I was influenced by some of the same stuff. I mean, don't think I wasn't affected in some way. But it, you start reading back through all their stuff and you realize, uh-oh, uh-oh, this guy has a little school or something. Um, really what you see is something uh, difficult happened in Zigmund's early life. And I will tell you that next, Okay? Um, at the bottom, God is nothing more than an exalted father. This, this is a cut. Because Sigmund did not like his father. He was resentful to his father because his mother loved him so much his father could never love him that much. And he said a few things to him that weren't kind, that weren't affirming. And he was very resentful of his father. So he projects onto God the negative aspects of his own father. I wish he would have analyzed himself better. At the bottom, God is nothing more than an exalted father. Well, okay, all right. Uh, We've got to get to uh, Friedrich Nietzsche next week. Uh, you, you see this, you know this, you have this memorized, this is what everybody's walking around saying. Everybody says this, you have your truth, I have mine. Oh, beautiful, that's, that's beautiful. It's nonsensical. It came with the help of Friedrich Nietzsche, 1844 to 1900. You have your way, I have my way, as for the right way, the correct way, and the only way, it doesn't exist. So there it is. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Friedrich Nietzsche says, it doesn't exist. There's no correct way. You do whatever you want to, no consequences. So far, we we only have three, three guys, really, and that little bit has messed up the world big time. It's messed it up big time. Uh, we get to have more fun next week. You need to see these quotes and more. You need to know something about where these ideas came from. Yes? Yeah, one of these writings, they came from their own personal experiences, in life. Oh yeah. So no matter how we great it is, it's not something
1: that we can follow as a way to move forward
0: to Christianity. And I don't only what it is. Right. Because it has been from everything. Right. We have a history from Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Right, but Karl Marx says that history is of no use, so forget about it, quasi. Okay, so you want to be a socialist? You listen to Karl Marx. You can't, you can't care about history, okay? Just write it off. Okay, anyway, this, we're applying the ideas that have gotten us into a big, fat mess, and when you put them next to the clarity of God's word, uh, your mind starts to straighten up on you. And uh, I'm, I'm praying that your mind gets clearer and clearer as we move through this. God bless you.